What's beneath the surface of true crime? Uncover brings you there with premium investigations that demand justice. Each season delves into a distinct case, from the inner workings of a cult to the disturbing legacy of residential schools. Promising new content year-round, Uncover will take you on a journey through explosive revelations with hosts dedicated to revealing the truth. Uncover, the best in true crime. Find it on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Tamara Kendacker. It's been a busy month in Alberta energy politics. In early August, the Alberta government announced a six-month pause on approving any new solar and wind projects. The press release that came with the announcement was titled, Creating Certainty for Renewable Projects. But people in the industry say that it's taken them by surprise and done the exact opposite. Since then, Premier Danielle Smith has doubled down on her vow not to go along with the federal government's plan to get to a net-zero power grid by 2035. Ottawa's strategy seems to be to placate the environmental extremists while throwing regular Canadians under the bus. That's wrong. It's unacceptable morally and financially. And Alberta's government will not go along with it. We will never allow these regulations to be implemented here. This against the backdrop of the worst wildfire season in Canadian history. So today I'm talking to CBC's Jason Markasoff about what's going on and the politics at play. Hi, Jason. Hi. It's great to talk to you. So I just want to start with this pause on new renewable energy projects, because I think it took a lot of people by surprise. And could you paint me a picture of the reaction to this announcement in Alberta? Surprise is certainly one of the big words out of this. Um, this, This completely blindsided a lot of people, both people who believe in the importance of a of solar and wind and renewable energy, and certainly the companies who were doing this. In fact, the Alberta Utilities Commission, uh, was, which approves these projects, now is frozen from doing so until the end of February next year. According to the Globe Mail, was asking these companies for information uh, hours before this uh, moratorium was announced and giving them updates as though nothing was going on. Oh, wow. Uh, companies were not consulted. Um, they were completely blindsided. And it just cuts against so many things. The big one is, of course, nationally and internationally is the climate change trends. Countries and jurisdictions and governments um, both wanting to do good things on climate change and wanting to be seen as doing good things on climate change to burnish their reputation, especially a province or jurisdiction like Alberta, uh, which has a reputation uh, for fossil fuel development. Uh, This was seen as a uh, great retreat from that, given this summer of uh, extreme climate change events we're having. I mean, the the Guardian uh, headline uh, internationally is called this reaction fury. And it's cut against the reputation for Alberta as a place where you can do predictable business, where uh, regulation is supposed to be low and light touch. And normally, when Alberta wants to review its policies, reconsider an approach, they review the policy without pausing 
uh, approvals in general. The pause was the real shocker in this, and uh, its impact on business will be severe. We'll get into the impact this is going to have on the industry, but I'm hoping we can we can kind of talk about why the government has decided to do this. And I know Danielle Smith, she's offered several explanations for the decision, but maybe you could start with the one that I heard her repeating at a press conference earlier this week, which has to do with the stability of Alberta's power grid. This is the big one that she talks about a lot and the one that she seems most passionate, expressed the most concern about. If wind only works 33% of the time and solar only works 13% of the time, we need to bring on more baseload power to make sure that we don't have rolling blackouts. That, that you know, and she's correct in saying the wind doesn't always blow and the sun doesn't always shine. So these are not, uh, you know, these don't uh, produce power 24-7. That is correct. It is, uh, and this is an issue that uh, is widely understood about wind and solar, that it is not 24-7. You cannot run a uh, system solely mm-hmm. on uh, the flow of uh, energy from uh, wind turbines and solar plants. Uh, that is a universally understood concept. She takes it to the next level, worrying that we're going to have blackouts or massive energy shortages if we don't have uh, enough balancing power, baseload power, as she uh, she will put it, from Alberta's main source of uh, electricity, which is at this point natural gas. So there's that concern. There has been concerns from uh, Alberta's electric system operator that manages all these different energy sources about the reliability issues. They didn't exactly ask for a uh, a moratorium or pause uh, on developing these. They didn't come screaming, uh, demanding that this, uh, this screech to a halt, this the growth in the sector. But certainly there are those talking in her ear about those. Um, her concerns uh, do not exactly match up with uh, what we hear publicly from regulators and officials. But certainly that anxiety is out there that uh, we cannot rely solely on wind and solar. What do people who champion renewable energy say in response to that concern? There's a lot of concern out there that uh, what she's saying exaggerates the problem. The you know that we have had energy alerts where there have been low energy, and they've uh, the system has been encouraging people to conserve energy. But wind and solar were never the sole causers of that. There are multiple problems, like traditional plants uh, going down for uh, unexpected maintenance, transmission issues, um, other uh, extreme weather events. Solar and wind companies, knowing that their power is not 24-7, are working on storage solutions, batteries, other ways to store power. So if one is excessive wind and sun, it can be stored. The other option, and uh, Danielle Smith has talked about this a bit, is uh, relying on other pro- other sources of renewable power like hydropower. BC and Manitoba have uh, produced it in spades. And there is mm-hmm. talk of uh, increasing the uh, connections between the provinces so that BC and Manitoba can sell uh, and transfer more uh, more hydroelectricity and get some wind and solar from Saskatchewan and Alberta uh, in the meantime. Um, but this is not something she's stressing, and she's saying that that's not only what would be part of the solution, not the uh, heavy solution that, say, Ottawa might think it would be. Gotcha. And then what about the other concerns that have been cited here, um, issues that have been raised by rural Albertans and even the Alberta Utilities Commission? And could you just briefly explain those to me? The reason the Utilities Commission, uh, which is the regulator that approves these projects, has been uh, relaying this concern to uh, Daniel Smith is that uh, the rural municipalities and landowners have been uh, giving it to them in both years. Their first concern is 
use of farmland. Solar panels especially are uh, taking up, uh, these solar farms are taking up large swaths of agricultural land, uh, which some would argue is prime land. And it's just a bit, you know, it's, for some people, it's even like an aesthetic issue, not just land use. Mm -hmm. That uh, They're used to driving by these fields and seeing fields of uh, wheat or this brilliant yellow canola, this brilliant purple flax or cattle grazing. And then to see these uh, large swaths of black solar panels. It's a major adjustment for rural Alberta. And uh, they're worried about, yeah, farmland being gobbled up. The other concern is uh, is reclamation, that at the end of these uh, these solar plants or wind turbines life, uh, what happens to the th- that facility? What happens to all that uh, steel and concrete from the turbines or these fields of black panels once they reach their end of life in some decades' time? A lot of critics highlight the irony of this, that this is a province uh, that is dotted with thousands of uh, unreclaimed uh, former oil and gas wells uh, that has become this multi-billion dollar liability. But, you know, there will, will be even some uh, some companies who will agree that there needs to be some sort of strategy on this. Do you need to pause the entire industry's growth and development to uh, figure out how to uh, handle these issues? A lot of regulators in tradition in Alberta would say no. The past is shrouded in mystery. To understand it, you have to get up close. Something happened to our collective psyche after the atom bomb. On NPR's Throughline, we reopen stories from the past to find clues to the present. Find Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. There was also a video of Danielle Smith's chief of staff, Rob Anderson, in conversation with her and others, uh, which has been making the rounds. It's from before she re-entered politics. And in the video, Anderson is really railing against renewables, and he seems just totally opposed to wind and solar. These things are just butt ugly, okay? Like, let's just call it a spade a spade. We have one of the most beautiful pristine landscapes in the world here, especially on the eastern slopes. I do not want, and I'm, I'm sure the residents I know, they are absolutely horrified by this. It, it, mm-hmm. It's destroying their entire uh, viewscape and landscape. They're ugly. And totally in support of natural gas instead. This is ridiculous. We're sitting okay. on, on an ocean of yep. natural gas. And all this is is it's a scam. It's a way What role is natural gas playing in this discussion? Back in March before the election in which Danielle Smith did not run on promising uh, this pause for wind and solar, she had a speech at the Rural Municipalities of Alberta conference and in the same speech as she criticized the reliability and other problems with wind and solar, she said natural gas the way we have to go we have to build more natural gas plants, we are a natural gas province. And there's some truth to that. We, we produce a lot of oil, but also produce a ton of natural gas and have huge reserves of natural gas. And as we've uh, moved away from coal production, as the rest of the country has, uh, we've converted plants from much more polluting coal to natural gas. But, but natural gas isn't actually all that clean, right? If the point here is that we, as a society, need to dramatically lower our emissions, natural gas might be better than burning coal, but it's kind of a low bar to clear. 
Yeah. The realities of climate change, groups like the IPCC say, are greater than um, doing the cleaner burning stuff. Some emissions is not as nearly as good as no emissions in terms of uh, re- remediating all the pollution and, and effect on the atmosphere that we've already uh, had. So, you know, most experts see natural gas as a bridging fuel. You switch off coal and turn on natural gas for now, but uh, that is a uh, will be a temporary solution. Daniel Smith uh, and a lot of conservatives and a lot of resource developers in Alberta do not see it that way, of course. Okay, so fast forward to late last week when the federal government put out their new draft regulations to get Canada's power grids to net zero by 2035. Danielle Smith immediately put out a statement saying that this was, quote unquote, irresponsible, unconstitutional. Uh, She elaborated more earlier this week. Any plan that makes electricity more expensive and less reliable is a bad plan. And the clean electricity regulations are an exceptionally bad, poorly thought out and illogical plan. And she says unequivocally, Alberta will not recognize these regulations. What do you make of this hardline stance that she's taken here? Not terribly surprising. Um, She's been quite hardline on many positions against the federal government, uh, especially when it comes to energy development. And there's a long string of Alberta premiers doing uh, what they can to very loudly defend the, uh, especially the oil and gas sector. And now that the uh, natural gas is becoming such a big, big piece of the uh, electricity puzzle in advocates' minds, uh, that is uh, really what she's doing. Um, So she is saying, we're not going to follow these. We're just going to go our own way. She suggested maybe challenging these in court. There are a number of uh, court challenges Alberta's uh, had against uh, federal government environmental projects, none yet successful, but uh, still some underway. Uh, she's held out the threat of using this uh, very provocative Alberta Sovereignty Act that she passed last year, which would uh, purportedly, uh, never been tested and very questionably in terms of its constitutionality, where she would pass a declaration from the legislature saying something is unconstitutional and then not have any provincial official enforce federal laws. Not sure how that would exactly work uh, in terms of clean energy regulations from the feds uh, in 2035, but we'll see. But no, she is uh, she is firmly not giving up any uh, quarter and uh, trashing the uh, federal government for even promising or going toward this 2035 net zero grid, even though that's also a promise and a strategy pursued by the United States and many European countries. We agree with the broader goal of decarbonizing the electricity grid and getting to carbon neutrality. We have a plan to get there by 2050. It's our emissions reduction. So so going back to the pause on renewables then, what impact do experts think this move is going to have on the industry in Alberta? It was such a fast-growing sector, and I imagine that this could affect people's jobs, right? This will could affect thousands of jobs. There, you know, this is not nearly the size of the oil and gas sector, but it does employ thousands. Um, wind and solar installation does. So there will be that impact. It won't be immediate because there are still these approved jobs and much uh, wind and solar under construction. But that will come uh, later on. People expect wind and solar to continue in Alberta. Alberta is really in a good position uh, to be a major developer of wind and solar because of its geography, a very sunny and very has a lot of wind uh, in the south, but also because of the design of the market, which allows a lot of private companies to come in and uh, make applications. It's very different from uh, many other provinces in that regard. So the appeal's there, but the industry is surely rattled. Uh, there are all these companies who 
play around North America and at, in several other provinces. And if they see a government taking such a dim view of wind and solar power, they'll say, why bother here? We'll spend elsewhere. Mm-hmm. This seems a bit strange because usually I think of Alberta as a place that really takes pride in the free market and the government stepping in and stopping this development, especially without having consulted the industry. It seems so kind of antithetical to that free market ethos. And I'm, I'm wondering if we've seen this happen elsewhere. So there's a state, Texas, that also prides itself on being, quote unquote, open for business. Um, mm-hmm. And also has a lot of natural gas and oil. is a big, uh, big resource state. Very, you know, people often call Alberta, Canada's Texas. Well, Texas has also uh, been throttling back and trying to put a whole bunch of restrictions on the development of wind and solar. Um, they have a Republican, a very Republican government uh, that is really trying to uh, protect its traditional oil and gas sector as well. Um, so it would be very easy to draw some parallels between those uh, those two jurisdictions. So beyond the practicalities that we've talked about today, I wonder if you also see an almost existential element to some of this. Does it feel like the province is kind of taking a stand on behalf of the old fossil fuel economy against a green energy future? There are a lot of challenges to the uh, traditional oil and gas sector, which has for so many decades been the lifeblood of Alberta, brought so many thousands of people here from other countries and other parts of Canada that have been uh, struggling economically in the past. Uh, So many Atlantic Canadians came to the oil and gas sector. There is a sense that it is a threat, the solar and wind uh, sector, and there are people who want to limit it. Uh, Even, like I said, the idea of seeing Alberta's uh, landscape transform into fields of solar and and vistas of wind turbines in front of the mountains is for some people under this emotional level of change. Uh, and this is especially the case in rural Alberta, for which, you know, agriculture and uh, oil and gas have been the backbone employers. And uh, that is where a lot of, uh, you know, the majority of the Alberta United Conservative Party's caucus is, where the cabinet is. And that is who is driving these uh, decisions, this rural uh, base uh, in the United Conservatives and in Alberta that is uh, concerned about the uh, the shift that the uh, world and much of Canada is, uh, and Alberta itself, uh, seems to be taking. So uh, this seems to be a, uh, a slamming on the brakes on some of that growth mm-hmm. and change. Right. And this comes, as I mentioned in the intro, we are in the middle of the worst fire season on record in Canada. It's it's not done yet. And a number of districts in southern Alberta have declared agricultural disasters prompted by droughts. Uh, Global ocean temperatures soared to unheard of heights earlier this month. And the IPCC has been clear. uh, a A swift and sharp reduction in fossil fuel use must happen now to avoid the worst climate outcomes. And this requires the immediate and massive expansion of solar and wind power. So do you get the sense that Alberta's provincial leadership feels the urgency here? This week, uh, Danielle Smith held a news conference and I asked her how she takes stock. It's been a, a year unlike any other for wildfires in Canada. It's been a year unlike any other for wildfire in Maui. It's been a year like any other for oceans uh, in the south and the Antarctic ice caps. And I said, don't, don't, I don't want you to talk to me about uh, this goal that Alberta has for Net Zero. Why do you feel about the climate? 
And uh, she struggled to uh, answer that. Please do not answer about what industry is doing. I want to know what you think about what the planet is doing. Look, we are committed to reaching carbon neutrality by 2050. We're committed to emissions reduction. And that's part of the reason why we want to do it in a practical way <clears throat> that we know is going to address the issue in the long term and still be um, one that's going to be affordable and sustainable. So 2050 is our target. And we've been very clear about that. She didn't want to answer that at first. I pressed her on it fully. And then she said, you know, we are concerned about the environment. We're doing this for the environment. You, uh, you answered uh, what I uh, requested you not to talk about what, the, what, what industry and what Alberta wants to do in terms of those targets. What do you think of what the planet is doing right now with regards to climate change? The, the whole reason why we are focused on emissions reduction and a 2050 target is because people are very concerned about the environment. There's, that's the, the main reason that's driving all of this. Um, and we are concerned about the environment too, which is why we... She was very careful not to say climate. Daniel Smith uh, has in the past, not lately, uh, questioned climate science. A lot of people will question the sincerity she has uh, about this stuff. Certainly uh, when they're, you know, she's been pushing back against almost any stronger target and never talks about the impacts of climate change, expresses concern about climate change. And, uh, you know, one wonders if you don't have that underpinning sense of urgency and sense of the problem, how hard will you fight for a solution or how hard will you wind up fighting against those solutions? Okay, Jason, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. Great talking to you, Tamara. All right, that's all for today. I'm Tamara Kandacker. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.